Hey, welcome back to the X Podcast. I am back here with Zachary Gen Z Brown. Hello. And Jesse James McCoy. What's up? How are we? Really I have good. a question. Uh, okay. Oh, oh, sorry. We're going to start this Whoa. podcast with a question. All right. Do you, where did your like habit of always giving a nickname to someone, like when you're talking to them or doing that, where did that habit start? Uh, I, I would know. say from the womb, probably. From the womb? Yeah. I don't think I've ever not known you whenever you first meet someone. Yeah. Or do like to give like a nickname? Well, I don't know if it, when I first meet someone, that would be obnoxious. Like, you know, like you meet uh, Mr. Jim after service. Jim, all right. Well, nice to meet you, Harry Jim. And just walk off. <laughs> you know, like, I would. Well, yeah, especially if it's a Harry Jim. Just, I don't know. Can't in mind. But I'm just saying, like, so it's not when I first meet people. But I, I just think, yeah, I've always found it and endearing and nicknames and certain 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 names i don't i don't feel like i bring nicknames to things i feel like uh, nicknames bring themselves to me Mm -hmm. and they just kind of scream at me (laughs) you you, see right now i'm just gonna read your mind you feel a mixture of love and hate for what i just said you're amused by it no i just i think it's very accurate (laughs) is what i think yes it is isn't it no you don't come up with a nickname you're just the first to say it you know (laughs) exactly i'm the funnel all right not the originator so don't treat me like i'm the source when i'm just the mouthpiece i um okay (laughs) so but uh anyway inquisitive isaac what uh other questions might you have I don't have any other. Did not okay. realize this conversation was an interview. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, all right. So welcome back. Uh, we have uh, boss man come back next week. I think we're not sure. Uh, Pastor Tim is currently either in Colorado or San Antonio or China or Daytona or <laughs> somewhere. Is somewhere. China a real option? I don't think so, but who no, knows you know. nowadays. Um, but anyways. We we thought you know why not um, just keep rolling down the momentum of this train of the three of us and uh, the critical acclaim that's been building of yeah. all of our ridiculousness. Why do I have some fans after my <laughs> football comment? Last oh, yeah. week. <laughs> uh, can I just say I watched that clip about ten times and then I saw you and you're like yeah of course that would come out they would pick that one to play. On the weekend, it was yeah. the first the weekend. The Buckeyes of first played their weekend. game. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Hey, I stand by it. <laughs> yeah. But I will say, I had somebody text me, this is not a word of a lie, 20 minutes ago, and say, hey, I'm listening to last week's episode, and they agreed with my Torchy's Condados. Oh. Comment. Okay, must be someone who doesn't really know anything about food, and that's cool. We, um, I don't know. Yeah, so that's... People have said he's my twin. That gives you a hint. Mm-hmm. I've never, later. S- never seen anybody that looks like your twin. Oh, yeah. When I had hair, we were, we were very much twins. Really? He knows who he is. Okay. We'll figure that out. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, so here's the thing. This week, we're going to kind of take a detour. Well, we're going to pivot away from the conspiracies. And we got another topic that uh, Zachary Genzi Brown's going to bring to us. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to... Have another lightning round, like we have the last couple times we've done this, of hot takes. Why not? Why not just just dive back into the fun of it? Um, You guys are 
sweating today on hats as well. We are. <laughs> it's well, a cool hat. It is, it a, cool is hat. a cool hat. I love it. Okay, so light takes, light hot takes, then spicy. No. Heavy hot takes. And then heavy hot takes. All right, light hot takes. Jesse James, I'm just going to assume you're going to still be on a roll with all yeah, of yours. I, once I get going, I just start going, you know? <laughs> uh, like my first chips. one, it's easy. Uh, having pets is overrated. Agreed. Um, connected to that, cats are better than dogs. Uh, okay. I, I put for the first one of mine, cats make better companions than dogs. There we go. I believe that both of you would think that. What? Yeah. What's your reasoning for I, you just, I think it's easy to see a cat person. I feel like you both would be cat people. You know what? what, see, what you what, and I are different. I what would, characteristics define a cat person? I think that nails me. I'm definitely a cat person. I, yeah. I, mean, I don't really like cats to begin with. Pets to begin with. But cats are superior. Um, I love, you know, I don't, I don't know that I would disagree with the hot take of pets can be overrated with the hype that they're given at times. Mm-hmm. I think like, you know, family one day, I think it'd be fun to have a cute little dog. Um, but cats, uh, yeah, I just think there's, there's these lazy, uh, weird, um, demonic creatures. Okay. Um, so is this well, be, is this because the cat that lives in your house? I mean, my mom's a cat lady. All hours of the night. Yes, my yeah. You know. Oh, I know. I mean, it's not just one cat. It's about four or five obese cats. <laughs> I mean, they're obese. There's nothing funnier than a fat cat. <laughs> I mean, they're a fat cat. I was uh, although I was watching the Nate Bargat see again the other night, and he was just talking. About, I was like, how can you just say they're a fat cat right in front of the cat? Doesn't even know English. He was like, we can't tell if it had seven birds for dinner take out and then come in and tell us before we give it its food at night mm-hmm. so you never know what makes a fat cat yeah fat yeah also a cat fat yeah i feel like your room your childhood room has been taken over by the cats too yeah it's full of kitty litter mm. smells like it smells like cat so is there some See, unrepressed the unspoken terrible part of owning a pet is the way it makes your house stink mm. <laughs> it is so bad yeah, everybody's been to a house that smells like cat Dog. litter yeah. And everybody's been to a house that smells like wet dog. Dude, it's mm. the worst. Not okay, okay, but see, here's my hot take with that. When you say wet dog, here, so I know a lot of people that for whatever reason have really, really enormous dogs, but treat them like they're indoor dogs. That's my pet peeve. Because if you have really, really enormous dogs that you let go outside, last time I, I was in Atlanta, I stayed at a friend's house. I won't say their names, but they had these enormous dogs. It was raining. They rolled all around in the mud. Then they quote-unquote felt bad for the dog because it was raining let them inside they run jump all over me muddy and wet i was so angry <laughs> it literally woke me up in the middle like, of the night oh yeah they're excited to see you i'm like yeah, i don't care <laughs> no them off of no me. like how could they stay outside because they're dogs that's how they could stay outside yeah wow we're we're making enemies already <laughs> <laughs> okay here's uh, what i, 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 I agree I, with the general hot take though pets are bad here's bad this, wow this is this is still kind of Not my fun. initial hot take you think pet, pets are overrated? Pets overrated. Yes. You don't cats think cats better than dogs? The superior pet, uh oh, is fish. That's weird. Cleaning the tank. See, I don't mind that. Here's what's fun about fish: is people don't know there's actually a lot of science in keeping fish healthy, mm-hmm. okay. and like keeping the pH of the water yeah. right and all yeah. that. So I had a fish tank once upon a time, and it's actually really fun mm-hmm. to like. For this kind of fish, the water has to be this type of... I've got another friend that actually was into fish, too, funnily enough. (laughs) That was into fish. Is into fish. That's interesting. Fish tanks are cool, man. You never walk by a fish tank and you never like, oh, that's so cool. Decorating a fish tank would be fun. Isn't isn't it fun? Then you set up a little bubble tube in there and... Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But that's the other okay. it, talking about smell. That's where I'm a little hypocritical. Mm. Fish tanks can really smell if you don't take care of them. If you don't take care of them, for sure. Okay. Uh, my next one, I cannot wait to say this one. Um, oh. Very similar to Torches and Condados. Oh, uh, five Guys is better than Shake Shack. Okay. okay. That's, that's... No, time out. Seriously, were you like in when I was doing mine? Because I literally <laughs> put Five Guys is better than Shake Shack. It's, it's the next one on my list. Yeah, I just <laughs> crept over to your laptop and stole all of yours. Five Guys is for sure better than Shake Shack. Okay, this has been between me and you there, Russ. This has been a highly contested subject for years. This has. I honestly, this, this, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to give a counter hot take. <laughs> On, honest to God, I don't think either one of you should legally be allowed to eat a burger again for the rest of your life. Honestly. Like, I mean, I'm not even joking. I don't think either of you should be allowed to. Like, it's, I, like I, 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 I can't, no. You know what? <laughs> I choose kindness. Tell me how you really feel. I, 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 I choose peace. But you're not yeah, giving me so reasons why Shake Shack is actually better than Bob Guys. It's just like, oh, okay, boy, okay. That, that's like saying, that's like saying, okay, explain why heaven is better than hell. I, I mean, how well, do, how an analogy. do you, I need to know why. Um, let's say texture, taste. Um, uh, the, These are all matters of preference. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it's so much better. Okay, now, first off, listen. I don't think you're ever too good for a Five Guys. Five Guys burger is really good. I would never try to say that a Five Guys burger is not great. I actually think if you look at like, like what do you call express, like gourmet, you know, fast food burgers, I would for sure put Five Guys in the top five. Mm -hmm. Like they're for sure really, really, really greasy, but they're really good. So I'm not hating on Five Guys. Like I think they're really good. But Shake Shack is just superior in every single way. Like, if you look at all of the lists of, like, the top five burgers, Shake Shack always tops the list. Not to mention, I know some people care about this more than others, I love the vibe of it. I love all the other options they have on the menu as well. Mm -hmm. But I like the way they flavor the burger. I love the fact that Shake Shack Burger is one of the only fast food burgers that are cooked medium and not mm -hmm. well or well done. Mm -hmm. I love the flavor of them. I love the fact that the burgers are steamed and, like, buttered. I love like all of the things you put on, like the smoked chopped cherry peppers. That's a little bit of heat. I love, oh my gosh, shack sauce is amazing. I mean, just for a million different reasons, it's just so much better. I will say the other menu options at Shake Shack are better. I'll agree that the vibe at Shake Shack is way better. But if we're talking burger itself, I think Five Guys is, which you are right. If you look at any list or um, any, you know, like you said, fast food list, like Shake Shack's usually at the top. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. Okay, let me ask. That's my hot take. Okay, to deflate my anger, mm. um, tell me this. What do you think? I'm looking up right now on the internet if Shake Shack is actually on top of the list. Shake Shack or In-N-Out? 16 best burger chains in America. Did you say Shake Shack or In-N-Out? Mm -hmm. I've only had In-N-Out once. Okay. And it's been a really long time ago. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people when they have in and out for the first time is underwhelming because it's like hype so much. That this is what one, I remember. This one says number one is Culver's, number two is In and Out Burger, number three is Shake Shack, number four is Smash Burger, mm. number five McDonald's, then six Five Guys. <sighs> McDonald's. Over I mean, five not guys to stand vindicated, but here I stand vindicated. Well, you said it was number one. I'm, I said it's, it's above Five Guys. I'm saying it tops the thing. I actually think you said what was it Culver's? Culver's is good. Never had it. It's it's really it's good. good. Yeah, it's a great way to like plug the artery. 
It is. It's just like uh, like if you just want to put like a needle in the yeah. vein and just pump I, butter. Have you had a Five Guys milkshake before? Oh yeah. I feel like those are comparable to Shake Shack milkshakes. They're good. I've never felt like it was anything to write home about. Well, I'll be honest. Big other like hot take. Not a big milkshake guy. Mm. Mm, milkshakes are so good. See, I tend to like desserts that are like concrete or like. So, uh, like, it's weird. Like, I like ice cream. I like milkshakes. But if I'm going to have dessert, like a sweet tooth, I would rather have, like, something substantive substantive or whatever. Like mm-hmm. like a cookie or a brownie or cake or, like, something I can actually put a fork in. Mm-hmm. According okay. To, according yeah. to Yahoo Finance, Shake Shack is number eight and Five Guys is number seven. Ooh. Oh, well. That is why no one knows Yahoo anymore. Well, All right. that's why I have Do you Yahoo? Ooh, throwback. Okay. Okay. Uh, sorry. Uh, I'll make these last two quick. Uh, road trips, overhyped. I think anybody that says they that. like yeah, to take road trips is lying. Definitely disagree with There's that. just no way. That. Road trips are fun for the first 25 minutes, and then they're just awful. No. But I think this is attached to you hate any kind of travel. I do hate any kind of travel, but I also feel like we, I've been with people. That are like, oh, road trip's going to be so fun. And we're hour and in. They're like, oh, my gosh. Can we just get there already? Like, yeah, exactly. This is awful. We're really trapped in a confined space, breathing each other's farts for hours. Wow. That's descriptive. But (laughs) is that... Okay. Okay. When you describe that, are you... Let's be honest. Are you referencing 100 middle and high schoolers on a 20-hour bus ride? No. Okay. I got... I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. And then again, that's <laughs> my hot take. But yeah, I don't like traveling, so that that's fair. But I've I never gone on a road trip that was like, man, the road trip was so fun. It's like, oh, we're finally here. Let's get out of this car. Road trips are less fun with little children, mm. but they're still fun. Mm. But if you're going by yourself. Def- definitely disagree with what I you I think it's who you're going with and what you're doing. Yeah, okay, you're telling me if the three, I mean, everybody loves apparently the chemistry of the three of us. You're telling me if the three of us. Went on a two or three hour road trip, we wouldn't have fun? I mean, we'd have fun, but I also think that's not to the credit of the road trip. I think if the two, three of us went and had a two, three hour dinner, we'd have just as much, if not more fun. See, I think part of it is like... It's about the journey, not the, the destination. Man. Hell, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Robert Frost is slightly right. But live, also, laugh, live, laugh, love. <laughs> oh, that makes one of vomit. That's but I, but I, you majored in in college. <laughs> I bet you have live, laugh, love plaque somewhere at home. <laughs> Oh, there's actually a Facebook profile picture. Uh, yo, you yeah. do. I forgot about this. Hey, if That's you want to listen, if you, if you are listening to this on a Friday and you are down and you are just having a bl- you know subpar day, uh, go back and just take a little <laughs> stroll through Zach Brown's old profile Facebook pictures and your day will be made. Nay, your week will be made. Nay, your year <laughs> will be a good year. So... Oh, man. I need to go back through that. It's been uh, a morning. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, sorry, one more. Yep. Soggy cereal, better than dry cereal. Oh, that's... I said what I said. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, that's... I will, whatever cereal is, I I put it in the bowl and then leave it. <laughs> wait for it to get a little soggy. <laughs> and then it's good to go. Yeah, I, I get that. I Sometimes when I make my eggs, I'll put them away for an hour so they get cold <laughs> and then just eat them. God, that's so, so bad. Oh, yeah. What's wrong? I'm not quite as bad. My wife will literally pour the cereal into the bowl and then pour the milk on top of it. 
so it stays as dry as possible. Yeah, I did that too. Um, well, I haven't had cereal probably since 1997. Wait, but <laughs> hold on. You what? haven't had cereal since 1997? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> yeah, you what? she pours the cereal in the bowl. Yeah. And then we'll slowly like pour little like things of milk into it oh. to keep it I dry. I thought for a second you were going to say that it goes the other way. Yeah. Like the milk should go first. I thought is what you were saying. Oh, actually, time out, time out, time out. That's what she does. Wait, she puts milk in first? Yeah, that's exactly what she does. Yeah, that's wrong. That's... I don't think she built that. That's crazy. No, yeah. yeah, she puts the milk in first, and then she puts a little bit of cereal on the time mm. to, like, keep it... Yes. Sorry, I messed up what I was trying to say. That's exactly what she does. That's worth an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> I try to tell her it's weird. She won't believe me. All right. Well, he stole... Pastor Jesse stole two of mine. I'm Cats so make better yeah. companions than dogs. God didn't want this set twice. Uh, five guys <laughs> is better than Jake Shack. <laughs> I don't know if this is a hot take, but iPhones are way better than Androids. That's not a hot take. I mean, that's just the truth. That's just normal. If you're the person with the green that's making the group chat green, stop it! You're the worst kind of person. Like, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I just... Don't try to tell me, ooh, you can do more customization on the Android, and oh, you can do... Th- no. <laughs> Lydia just texted. She said, are you talking about my sister's dog? Lydia, I was not talking about your sister's dog, I promise you. But if uh, the truth lands near, then yeah, I will, you go. I'll let you, I'll let you handle that. Um, um, so, yes, iPhones are better than Androids. Okay, here's one. Okay. Crocs, like the shoes. Yeah. They make no sense to me. Mm-hmm. I agree. I don't understand why people wear them, why people think they're cool, why people think they're trendy, why you'd want to wear them. They look like my grandmother's, like, <laughs> shoe from I don't know where, but it's just, it, I, they make zero sense to me. I don't think, I don't understand why people say, oh, they're the most comfortable shoe. No, they're not. I know, and they look terrible. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not comfortable at all. Mm-hmm. A regular pair of just, like, canvas vans are three times more comfortable mm-hmm. than a pair of Crocs. Mm-hmm. And, and they look way better. And they just, they smell, because like, it's just your bare foot that goes in it most of the time. So it's like, it's just weird. <laughs> like, Crocs are... Have you just had some R&D with this? R&D? Some research and development? Mm, no, but no. I just, Crocs make no sense to me. On that note, this is probably the deeper hot take behind Crocs because okay. they're kind of a fashion trend right now. On that note, no fashion style is original anymore. I mean, fashion mm-hmm. has been cyclical for a while. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. I remember, and we always laugh, but when I worked at the buckle, I remember like I thought everything coming in was so cool. And I, I got so annoyed at people that were like a, a decade or two older to come and be like, oh my gosh, I remember when this was in trend. And in my you know young, cocky mind, I'm like, no. This was no you, totally different. Totally different, and no, this was never in trend. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And now, and, and it's so weird. I know I'm older than both of you, but like when I look at like '90s things that were like in early '90s were in style, and now I'm like, oh, that's weird. That makes me feel old. Well, it's weird. Like you watch a movie like The Breakfast Club, for example, yeah. and they're like, mm. they all look so cool. <laughs> it's like yeah. that movie's pretty old. Yeah, and I love that movie, by the way. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's like, oh, wow, they look, you could pluck mm-hmm. them straight out of the movie, put them in a high school today, and they'd blend in perfectly. Yeah. It's so weird. weird. So, 
Maybe it's not that much of a hot take. Yeah. No fashion style is original. Well, anymore. Th- I think there's. I think they're fashion. I think there's a lot of new takes on old fashion. Mm. I think it's probably what we're seeing a lot today. Yeah. Like, it's cool that it's vintage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think there's but always... Hasn't that always kind of been a thing? Like yeah, vintage. I suppose that's true. I, I think there's always people making new things, but I, I think it's. I think what you're saying is fair in that a lot of general trends se- tend to be things that have cycled back through. Yes. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yes. Um, those are all yours? Those are my... Lighthearted hot takes. Okay. Um, uh, a couple of my lighthearted hot takes. This one I just feel like will get me murdered. Um, oh, wow. I can't wait. John Mayer's overrated. <gasps> oh, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Uh, most humans do. Um, I think he's one of those guys that I think had a couple catchy songs. Oh, okay. And then it's always people. I feel like he's one of those musicians that people's defense of why he's so amazing is very technical and musical. Because I've had a lot of... Well, you destroying my, your... My key your, oh, is not working. Okay. Um, I've had a lot of like you know roommates over the years or friend, musician mm-hmm. friends like, oh, but do you know how hard it is or how talent? And I'm like, like for some reason, like the talent argument... To, of why music's good and enjoyable doesn't translate to me. I think it's a weird argument. Like, you can say someone's really talented and what they do is hard, that doesn't make it more melodic or more enjoyable to me. Like, if I don't find, like, a song catchy or, like, moving to me, you telling me that it was really hard we did on the guitar doesn't change it. And I feel like he's one of those musicians that usually the argument is his skill. And so I don't have any, like debate against how like talented he is just so, don't like his music just so for me it's just a preference i'm just like like i don't find many of his songs catchy or something i would want to play in my spare time when was the last time you listened to john Mara? um i listened to a bit of it on the way to cincinnati so i know some people that are really into it i just was not loving it i mean back in the day when he did like georgia was it you know or the one that was a little bit kind of off color was it Wonderland or whatever like like some of those songs were like catchy like mm-hmm. the melody was really good but yeah I don't know but most people Aaron really hate a few that. years ago and it was amazing hmm. okay yeah uh, here's another one that I um, I got another overrated hot take people around here seem to really love Florida I think Florida is overrated I would actually agree with that I, like. Florida, I think, um, if you well, especially like I was me and I would always send because I would always tell tell Pastor Tim I'm like Florida's like it's the town of the crazies. No, it's not. And so like every single night back before the writer strike, all the like you know late night hosts would always have some crazy story that only comes out of Florida, Mm -hmm. and with the following jokes about this is the you know the place of Florida, and I'd always send it to them. I mean, you have Disney World to visit, and you got Miami's a cool city. And, you know, some of the Gulf areas of, like, Destin are beautiful to visit. Besides that, I just think Florida's crazy town. And it's so humid. And if you yeah, want to go to the coast. unbearably co- hot. And unbearably hot. If you want to, like, go on vacation, you want to go to the coast, then go to the West Coast. Or go to the East Coast, Hilton Head, Carolinas. But I just think Florida's the town of crazies. Mm-hmm. As the only person at this table who's lived in Florida mm-hmm. for a time period of my life, I would agree with that. I mean, I think there's parts of Florida that are 
Yeah. Disney World. We all know I love Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, yeah, there's parts on the Gulf side that have beautiful beaches that I actually would favor those beaches over East Coast beaches. Because um, when you go to the beach, you just expect it to be hot no matter where yeah. you are. Um, but outside of just a few spots, like, it's mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of armpitty. Yeah, it is. It is. All right. And then this one, I know, again, nobody agrees with me on. You, we mentioned this earlier, but I like Apple better than Spotify. Mm. Mm. Nope. Every time I try to use Apple, it like, it. okay. So I, I always have my like podcast that I listen to on Fridays. So there's a couple ones that I'll go through. Mm-hmm. I try to like pull them up on Apple because sometimes my wife is using our Spotify mm-hmm. account. And I have to listen to them on Apple Podcasts. And they sometimes won't load. They never load like where I last let them, uh, where I last left them off. Um, they um, sometimes will just like, like the Apple randomly shut down and restart. Now, I love Apple. Mm. I'm an Apple fanboy. But, mm. um, yeah, I've not had any luck. Same with Apple Music. Apple Music has not been a great experience for me either. That's so odd. As someone who only uses Apple for podcasts, I have never had that problem. Ever once. Now, in all fairness, I will nuance this by saying, admitting that if, like, today, Apple and Spotify start at the exact same time without any history of iTunes, I could maybe be won over to Spotify. Because there are some things I prefer about Spotify. I do prefer, just on a superficial aesthetic level, like, I like that if you want to, like, share a song to Instagram, you're going to use Spotify. And there's some people that are really nostalgic over, like, the end of the year, like, list. I think that's really, really cool. I think for me, I like Apple number one because I'm just loyal. So I do, you know, Apple MacBook, iPhone. I like the the loyalty of it. I love the, like the the synchronicity of it of having all of them like sync well and the simplicity of all that. And I have literally spent the last three decades downloading music and creating playlists on iTunes. So I have this whole like backlog of all of the music I've already previously downloaded on there. And mm-hmm. so it's a hard switch for me. Yep, I would agree. I think I'm. I'm Apple fanboy through and through. Everything Wait, really? is Apple. But Okay. Except when it comes to Spotify. Hmm. Yeah. Spotify is better. Also, I mean you know me. But Spotify Joe Rogan. has Joe Rogan. That's right. He's exclusive Spotify, so hmm. that's where my loyalty lies. Hmm. So that's why I would just do YouTube. You and Joe Rogan. He's not on YouTube. It's only Spotify. Oh, it's just his clips. Just clips right. on YouTube. That's yep. right. He's okay. the only place to watch his podcast is Spotify. Okay. All right, moving on. Um, heavy hot takes. Heavy hot take. Um, okay, mine is, I think it is wild, <laughs> borderline crazy, mm-hmm. that we allow 18-year-old kids to sign loans for $100,000 in form of student loans. Mm-hmm. That we let kids that have no concept of how much mm-hmm. money that is mm-hmm. and how long it's going to take to pay that back that we're just like, yep, that's normal. Hmm. I think that's wild. Hmm. Um, and I don't know how to fix that. This is where you two are the pros and economic Eric over here. Way more versed in okay. you know all that. Names. And people have you know thoughts on canceling student debt and all that. I get all that. Yeah. And I'm not educated enough to talk about But I think just the concept of, mm-hmm. well, college is the only way to go. Mm-hmm. Which that's lessened in the past couple of years. Yes, but and it's a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. 
and you have no concept of that, yep. and even if you file bankruptcy, guess what? It doesn't go away. Yep. I think that's wild. I agree. I agree. Is that your is that your only one? That's my only one. All right, economic hair. What we got? Because you told me I couldn't say my other one. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. We, we did. Well, he vetoed your your uh, your other heavy hot take. Uh, so for me, kind of along similar lines, it's an economic one. Um, I think when you look at where we're at right now, okay, a lot of boomers in that generation are about to retire, okay, and you see a lot of millennials. The older, the oldest of the millennials, kind of stepping into their getting ready to turn forty, that sort of thing. Uh, Gen Z's coming up behind them. Um, a lot of the wealth in America right now is concentrated in the boomer generation, mm-hmm. and that wealth traditionally in societies—I'm not talking about America, but just globally, traditionally—there's always a wealth transfer from like older generations to younger generations. Mm. We're not seeing that same wealth transfer here in America. And in fact, in many ways, Gen Z is starting further behind the eight ball um, when you look at percentages-wise to own a house, what they're making in terms of income, how many people have to work in a Gen Z household in order to be able to like uh, fund an income. And if we're not careful, we're going to make it impossible for young people to live here in America anymore. And um, it's, I think that's going to radically change our society if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Just a couple numbers. In 1970, the average home cost $15,000. Now it costs $436,000. That makes me sick to my 20 stomach. Time, mm-hmm. 29 times more. Um, the um, average rent was $108 in 1970. Now it's $2,000. Um, it was $500 to go to college. Now it's $11,000 a year to go to college. This is average. Gas was $0.36 cents a gallon. Now it's $3.80 a gallon. Is that binomics? No. No. <laughs> okay. But. No, I'm not talking about binomics yet. Um, it, average salary in 1970 was $9,000 a year. Now it's $56,000 a year. Average number of kids in a household in 1970 was 3.5 kids in a household. Now it's 1.9 kids in a house. So you have less kids in the house. In 1970, 47% of people were in dual income households. Now that number is up to 65%. That people are in dual income households. So now, in order to like make a living, in order to be able to afford the four hundred thirty-six thousand dollar house and the price of a car and do all these different things, you have to work more and have less children in order to be able to like actually sustain the lifestyle that you've seen your parents and whoever grew up. So mm-hmm. it's gonna. All right. So okay, tell gonna, me. Tell me again in one sentence. What's your hot take? The hot take is. Um, if we're not careful, uh, our culture, like the way the family unit is run and how it's it's it operates, um, is going to change drastically because of the wealth inequality between older generations and younger generations. But is that more just like an economic concern? Like, I don't know, is that a hot take? I don't know. I was trying to come up with something. <laughs> okay. All right. I agree, though. I agree. Okay. Um, mine is that there should be a complete overhaul in education, elementary through high school. Yes. Um, and, and we may have hit some of this in podcast before. And I'll give you a couple ways I think that that should happen. Because there's already a lot of talk on how you know college education is changing and the emphasis and what that even looks like. Mm-hmm. But I think elementary through high school should have a complete overhaul in education. And I'll give you a few bullet points of how. I think half of the day... In elementary school, middle school, and high school, 
should be subjects that are actually going to help you in real life. Novel idea. <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that nuts? So if you have six periods, three of those periods uh, should be, uh, once, how do you do taxes? Um, how, leadership development. Um, cooking. Um, budget and finance. Mm-hmm. Um, conflict resolution. Developing social skills. Um, th- th- business. Um, things that will actually help you in life. I think the basics, people should have enough math to know how to crunch a budget. They should know enough science. And then as they get older, to, depending on their passion, they should be um, have some autonomy in what they continue to develop beyond the basics when it comes to your you know, geography, geology, science, math, all those things. Um, second, I think you shouldn't be able to graduate high school without being fluent in at least one other language. Fluent? Mm-hmm. I think that is another way that we are really, really, really behind, um, and it's continuing to put us behind from other nations. Hmm. Uh, not just in an educational sense and not just in our ability to be even more um, influential on the world stage and business stage and political stage, but also um, I think this is, this is a small little nuance, but even with our polarization. I think, I think learning a language, another culture, is just another way that helps um, – uh, I think build empathy, kind of expand and put ourselves in a different context mentally. Um, on that note, I think more integration of education should be travel. So you might would hate this. I think in high school, middle school, and elementary school, there should be at least one trip international. I think the other years in high school, middle school, and elementary school, there should be at least one trip domestic to a completely different kind of state. <laughs> Who's paying for that? Um, I think it should be half paid for by the government. Um, and half, I think it should be built into uh, through families. I think as long as they're above the poverty line or above the welfare line. Because my other hot deck is almost going to say is I, I almost think um, like we were doing the, what was the table topics you know that card game the table topics I was doing that with the other night and I was I don't know how you would force this but I was like I almost think people should be well I don't know it's tough to say because I'm not a big fan of government overreach but I wish there was some way there would be an, maybe an incentive or an encouragement if maybe like the government like met you halfway um, for there to be incentives for people to be encouraged to travel more because hmm. I think I think our polarity and polarization and echo chambers are only growing. And the data is in that the more you travel and put yourself in other cultures and other countries, the more that that lessens, the more your mind expands, the more you become adaptive in the way you think, the more you, you know, all that. Um, I was on a conversation about education the other day with someone. And some of what they were saying about future of education was more flexibility on where you do your school and less time actually in the classroom. So less days, like going maybe to a four-day week instead of a five-day week. More flexibility in the actual hours or time spent in the classroom learning. Mm-hmm. Would some of your overhaul in education include that? Maybe. I think what I was going to say a little bit more on a broad level with that is I think there should be way – I think part of the overhaul should be um, social psychologists actually getting involved and saying, what are all the paradigms that need to be flipped on their head about how students actually learn? trying to shame a five-year-old boy that can't sit still for eight hours a day 
and think that's the way he has to learn. <laughs> is that fair to the teacher, the boy, or his education? Like, so I, I don't know specifically what that looks like as far as, but I, but I do think there should be a completely new um, sociological, anthropological approach to how people learn, students learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my other thing attached to that is teachers. I think teachers should be given a 25% pay increase. If you're a teacher listening to this, you can thank me. Well, not really, because I don't have control over it. Uh, <laughs> but then, the, but but part two of that is, I think there should be. We, we've all gone through some master courses of communication, and I think there should be um, master courses, new newly developed master courses to take all teachers through when it comes to um, cutting edge ed, uh, communication techniques and communication models. It's interesting. The twenty five percent teacher increase i mean that cost would largely be pushed on to people living in the communities that they're in because schools have to levy more money in order to pay their teachers more mm-hmm. so that would just come in the form of tax increases mm-hmm. would you be in favor of that would you pay more money to pay teachers more mm, maybe but i don't know that i love um Because where else is the school getting the money from? Well, I was just going to say, but I, I think it's, isn't it always like a false template when we say it has to be this way or that way? Well, the other, are way, would, are there, are there, the other way would be the government. Yeah, I was going to say. government funding. The government has some funds. So Which I think part of it. from taxpayer dollars as well. Right. So if, and a 25% increase, increase across the board. My wife's a teacher, so I'm all yes. for this. So a 25% increase across the board would be really expensive. Mm-hmm. So. I'm just curious if that would impact our taxes in any form or way. Would you still be in favor of that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yes, if, if it increased taxes a little bit. But I, I just think there's better solutions than that. I think there's, um, I mean, the truth is we, it's not, and we'll probably get into this, it's not a lack of resources to pay teachers. It's just our country prioritizes where those resources go. So I don't necessarily think that there has to be a tax. I mean, we, Baseball players make tens of millions of dollars a year. Money's coming from somewhere. Um, not not to get all you know um, controversial because I'm in favor of us. Um, I, I want democracy to reign um, against Russia. But you know, a lot of people would argue on you know on both sides. Like the amount of money we've given to Ukraine shows that it's not like we're lacking money. So I, I, I bring all of that up to say I don't I don't know that it's we lack the resources and wouldn't have to necessitate more taxpaying money. I just think there's probably a holistic approach of where we actually prioritizing money. Speaking of money, yes, that was, a, that was a long ramp up for what we wanted to talk about today. Yeah, let's talk about it. Um, and I don't know where this is going to go in terms of how this flushes out over the next twenty minutes or so, but I, I think I was talking to you about what we could talk about today and and I said what if we dialogue about the difference between you know kind of a scarcity mindset versus mm-hmm. a, a wealthy mindset and all this said, we've been talking about economics a lot and I think there's been a lot of talk as we head into a new election cycle mm-hmm. um yeah I was reading the other day that kind of post Labor Day is when they really kick off they kind of say the traditional primary campaign season mm-hmm. kicks off and of course you know the Republicans are in a a primary campaign setting. So are the Democrats, but we all know who the Democrat nominee is going to be. Um, and so as we kind of 
are looking ahead and, and, and the alarm bells are, are sounding and people are getting ready and gearing up for 2024 and what that's going to be like. And I think one of the main focuses of conversation is going to be on the economy, mm-hmm. um, how well we're doing, how we're managing our money as a country, where we're at. And I think um, there's a lot of ways we can take this conversation. But I think for me, you know, rather than talk about us as a country, I want to focus on us as a family or individuals first. Um, what does it look like for, for us as, as, as consumers here in America to manage our money well? Because um, I was just reading another article that says this. Americans have more consumer debt now than at any point in our history. So we have high, high levels of consumer debt. Inflation's coming down, but many people are still reporting that they feel like prices are still high. Um, and there's been a lot of conversation about, are we heading towards a recession? Are we not heading towards a recession? So in this kind of murky, in, in between middle that we find ourselves, interest rates are high for homes, for example. What does it look like to steward you know, the money that we have well? Um, what does it look like to, to manage the resources that we have well? Because I don't think anyone would argue that us in America here still don't have probably the most amount of resources available to us mm-hmm. in terms of money. And so what does it look like for us to to have kind of the right mindset towards our money yeah. and how we steward our wealth well versus like maybe living in fear of what's to come, mm-hmm. fear of a recession, fear of mm-hmm. this, and that will maybe lead us to kind of hold a scarcity mindset. So I'm just kind of curious as I mm-hmm. kind of set all of that up. Mm-hmm. What are some of your first initial thoughts on how we steward our money? So, like as individuals, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's funny. I feel like uh, whether it's like with families or with churches or with individuals, money's always just a funny topic for some reason. Yeah, it always I feel like it makes people nervous. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I think is like, why is that? Why is why is money so weird? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why is money weird to talk about and weird to um uh i was talking to somebody sunday that was asking about you know um benevolence and we, we have this kind of relationship right i, I just i said um i said hey what well, you know what would it look like for me to connect you with like a financial advisor and this person was like oh no i don't need that i just need and so i just had a conversation like hey like just like we all need like a fine like a, an emotional counselor at times like mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with all of us needing a financial counselor like um, and this person's like, oh, okay, I just, but, but they, they, they express something that I think all of us feel at times. Like none of us want to feel like we're bad with money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, none of us want to feel like we are behind in money or, or not managing money well. And so it is kind of a, um, a funny topic. I'm not even sure where to, to, to start with it all. Um, other than, you know, we, we were, I, I think one thing is, when, when we talk about Americans and how they manage money, I think one thing that's important to start with is the mirror. <laughs> it's not important for me to judge how others are managing money. <laughs> it's yeah. important for me to figure out how am I managing money? Um, Cause I think the only thing weirder than how weird it is for us to talk about it is how judgmental we can become when it comes to the way others handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. What about you, Jesse James? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I like what you said about how um, money is such a taboo thing to talk about, but that's the only way you're going to learn how to manage it. 
mm-hmm. you know it's like i i've had more than one conversation with like a f- close friend that like I, that they're doing pretty well obviously they're managing their money well mm-hmm. i'll ask them like, so what do you do like mm-hmm. give me some tips i've let uh, a friend of mine that um, has gone through multiple financial courses i like let them look at my budget hmm. this is like i think it, we we have to make it less taboo to talk about mm. otherwise we're never going to get better at handling it and That's i think good. the reality for a lot of people that are in the 20s in their 20s even 30s a lot of us don't know how to manage money well mm-hmm. um and like you said given the economic situation we're in you kind of need to know how to manage money well mm-hmm. like you need to know mm-hmm. yeah um and so um yeah that's a really interesting insight you gave because um and you know sometimes the jewish community can get a bad rap on a lot of things but one of the things i've heard from some of my friends that like they said they're in dinners with their jewish families and like in a lot of those Jewish families, it's not weird. They talk about money openly. Like it's a normal conversation around the dinner table, but in, yep. in a healthy way. Yep. And it, it, they talk about, you know, the legacy they're going to leave. They talk about, in, in, in unapologetic ways, the wealth that they're building so that they can be generous, make an impact on the world, and bless their kids and their kids' kids and their kids' kids. kids. Like, and it's mm-hmm. just, an, and they normalize it. Mm-hmm. Like I almost wonder what comes, on, <laughs> almost what comes to my mind is, is, is it, is money culture in some ways like the um, parallel of unhealthy purity culture in which you have households that never talk about sex <laughs> or or never talk about drinking in a healthy way? And so when it does, <laughs> you know, when people finally try to figure it out years later, it's unhealthy. Yeah. Because um, the crazy thing is, you know, we, we've done series here at the church, and that's a whole other topic of even talking about money in the church, but Jesus talked a lot about money. Mm-hmm. Actually, a lot about money. Mm-hmm. Part of that is that Jewish culture. Part of it is I think money is so connected to the heart. Mm-hmm. It is yep. so connected. And it is just a part of life. And so to not talk about something that is so integral to everyday life, um, I agree. I think that's a great thought. Is like how do we remove the taboo without becoming money-centric where we th- have money on our mind all the time? Sure. Okay, so let's drill down on this, though, because I think you, you, you both bring up some good points. But I think this, this this topic of the way Americans manage their money is interesting to me. So mm-hmm. when we talk about that, I think sometimes we fall into one of two ditches, okay? So first of all, growing up for me, money wasn't something that we really talked about a ton. I feel like mm-hmm. my parents just told me, hey, save a little bit, spend a little bit, tithe a little bit, and that's mm-hmm. just kind of this is what you do. Mm-hmm. Anything involving a 401k, how does like uh, retirement, what does that look like, you know, I've had to, the the process behind budgeting, I've had to figure that out on my mm-hmm. own. And I think if that's your uh, experience growing up, you have a tendency to, like you said, when you actually get out and you get your first big boy job and, and you mm-hmm. start, money starts to come in, the first time a credit card comes across your your your, your desk and you have a chance to, oh, I've got a free $1,000. I can spend it on whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's just run it up. Let's charge it up. Let's do all this. Oh, Car payment. This is normal. Everyone has got that. And you see um, a lot of people getting into debt and making a ton of mistakes financially this way. But then I think, so that's one ditch. I think the mm-hmm. other ditch is sometimes you, you get people who are maybe so afraid of, of what to spend their money on, what to do, how to handle it, that perhaps they just, like the old 
Bible parable. They just kind of take their money and they just they stuff it under the mattress or they, mm-hmm. they bury it in the ground and they don't do anything with it. What's, what's like, you know, give me your, both of y'all's perspectives on maybe what money was for you in your childhood and then um, how, what you think, how Americans handle their money and then kind of find the balance between both of those ditches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's a lot of reverse engineering there because I'm thinking back through. So my parents, um, we were probably as middle class you get. You know, we were not poor by any means. Had everything I wanted, but we were not, you know, um, wealthy by any means. I mean, they were both teachers. They're educators. You know, um, mom was an elementary school teacher. My dad was a high school teacher who eventually became a principal. Um, and so I think like, um, I probably just did not understand money at all <laughs> because I would be like, well, why can't we get that? Well, son, it doesn't work like that. We don't have it. And I'd be like, but wait. And so this is not any kind of like in- indictment on them, but I, 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 I do kind of look back and wish somebody would have just been like, sat me down at the kitchen table and explained like, Hey, here's, let's look at a budget. Like, here's why, here's why this doesn't work. Here's like why I like, I even think from my elementary school, middle school, this part of what I'm saying, like mind, I wish somebody kind of would have sat me down and like been like, okay, let's, let's show you what a budget is. Here's why here's bank accounts, how all this works. Um, and so, um, and again, that's my parents were amazing and you know, they, they did the best they could, but I think I grew up, I think in that part of my personality, I grew up with way too much of a free spirit. Mm hmm. It's, it's funny when you talk about debt. I got a credit card the first time by accident. I was like at American Eagle, and y'all probably hear me tell the story of uh, you know I was getting this like polo, and like, well, why don't you just charge that? I was like, what do you mean? They're like, you can get ten percent off today if you just get a card. I was like, sweet. And so I was like, signed up for it, and then like a year later, I got somebody calling saying, uh, you've got a credit card that you didn't make a payment for. I said, what? I don't have a credit card. And they said, yeah, you signed up at American Eagle for a credit card. I'm like, oh crap. I mean, so like I just grew up feeling like, oh man, I don't really know what I'm doing. And and I think part of that combined with my very whimsical personality, probably on just to be honest, my early years did not set me up well. And it wasn't until like college young adult that I went through the Dave Ramsey courses that I was like, oh, holy smokes. Like, man, it was just so eye opening. Um, and ended up going through it a few times. And I think, uh, I I think fortunately after going through Dave Ramsey, I've always been very conservative when it comes to debt. Um, I've always, I I, I think the two things I had going for me, I'm just trying to reverse engineer and give me a little biographical vulnerability. I I think giving my life to Jesus early in life and having people teach me the tithe and then going through Dave Ramsey, I think generosity and of um, on one hand and avoidance of debt on the other hand are two things that fortunately got in me pretty early. I think what has taken me a long journey of is how to really like diligently steward well and be more frugal with all that's in between mm-hmm. and be more intentional mm-hmm. on um, investments and saving and, and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's the stuff that I'm like, man, I wish I'd gotten way of an earlier jump on that stuff. Yeah. I don't know if that answers, but. No, it does. It's good. I want to hear kind of the same thing for you. Yeah. I um, come back. Yeah, I think a couple of different things. One, I think thinking back to the way my parents talked to me about money, I think um, for 
each age group, I think there was always some sort of conversation happening about how to manage money well. Like I remember when I used to work construction jobs with my dad and I'd get a little bit of money. Um, and they'd always, it's very similar to what you said, you know, you should tithe this much, you should save this much, and then, hmm. you know, go to the store and spend this much. And I was always annoyed at how little to go to the store and spend this much amount was. It's like, well, I've got to, that money's just going to sit in savings for <laughs> till when, you know, what's the point? Um, and as a kid, you don't get that. And I think that even, that kind of translates to later in life where I think a lot of us, when we hit the college age where you have a job and you really don't have any concept of what real money is and, you know, when you open up a store credit card and it, you know, it says 28% APR, you're like, I don't know what that means. Sounds great. And <laughs> right. it's like, oh, that means I'm going to pay that $100 purchase back over five years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't get that. And so I think, I think so much of us struggling with money is I think there's no experience like, mm-hmm. or there's no teacher like experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I think almost all of us have to feel that oh crap i made some really bad decisions and now i gotta deal with it like Mm. i think a lot of people that i look to that are really good at money started out really bad at money Mm. you know they're not the people that inherited crazy generational wealth which most of those people squander it yeah you know it's you you make a lot of mistakes and then you learn from those mistakes and you realize you know I, i need to need to be very wise in the decisions that i make but i also think kind of what you're touching on with you know the whole two ditches analogy. I think that that does have a lot to do with the mindset of money in the household that you grew up in, mm-hmm. or if you yep. came from wealth or if you came from yes. more of a, mm-hmm. a lower class poverty kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I think no matter how much money is in your bank account, a lot of us will take mm-hmm. whatever mindset we grew up with or that we saw mm-hmm. on display in our parents, whoever mm-hmm. we lived with growing up, yeah. whether, you know, I know a lot of people that have done very well for themselves, but still think like they're poor. Mm-hmm. And vice versa, I know a lot of people that are poor that spend <laughs> like they have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I think, um, I think mindsets matter a whole lot when it comes to money. Yeah, so um, good. Because, like you talk about the scarcity mindset, I think that's very connected to a poverty mindset. Of yes, I will never have enough. Mm-hmm. I'll never have enough. The, res- the inflation's crazy right now. Oh my gosh, we're 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 not buying name brand anything. We're, mm-hmm. You know and some of that is like you're it's all you're trying to disguise living in fear as being frugal yeah mm-hmm. and i think there is a difference yes you know when it's when you're being motivated by wisdom of like obviously there are some wise choices when it comes to spending and not spending mm-hmm. obviously but i also think you can make all those same decisions and a lot of them can look the same but they're motivated out of fear yeah mm-hmm. and i'll never have enough or what if this happens what if mm-hmm. this happens and and i and in fairness i think that line is pretty thin between those two sometimes it is yeah. you know um but i think you know just pay attention to the being aware of the mindset of money that you mm-hmm. grew up in of, mm-hmm. here's how my family handled money or i have no idea how they handled money because we never ever talked about mm-hmm. it and so i came into my early 20s completely blind mm-hmm. and signed up for every this and that ever mm-hmm. um yeah i think that's so good i think being aware of your motivations there's a difference between fear and frugality and i also think like being aware, I think it's really important in each stage. This kind of goes along with motivations, but to decide, like, what's your goal? Mm. Like, what is your goal? Because I think sometimes we judge each other, you know, kind of go back to the judgment thing. I think we judge each other when the truth is we may just have different goals. There are people, you know, Dave Ramsey's big, like, statement at the bottom of every page is, 
um, what, what is it? Live like live no one else, else now, so you, you can, can live, live like, like no one else, else later. Yeah. So some people might have visions so strong for they want to be in a year, five years, that they literally are going to, in the eyes of other people, make outrageously sacrificial decisions mm-hmm. in the way that they eat and what they do. And if that if they do that, then like, you know, even if it you know cramps your style, like cheer them on, and let. let but other people might decide, you know what, like, I don't want to, I don't want to have debt. I, I want to be blessed, but they might have a little bit more of a vision for, yeah, a vision for the future, but I'm also not going to be so crazy that I don't enjoy the now. And they're, they might loosen the belt, so to speak, and have a different take. And that's okay too. And I, I think really you just got to decide like, what's my goal? Me and my family or me as an individual, like what's my goal? And then as you make those goals, deeper question to ask, like you said, what's my motivation? Mm. Like, what's the spirit behind this? Because scarcity is a dangerous thing. I, th- I think um, having a, a, a wasteful mindset is really, really dangerous, but having a scarcity mindset, I don't care if it's in spirituality, I don't care if it's in relationships or finances, scarcity mindset always ends bad. It always ends mm-hmm. poorly. And, and I actually think a scarcity mindset too not just affects the value of your life. I actually think a scarcity mindset affects the way that you view other people. Mm -hmm. I actually think a lot of the hate you see that people throw at other people comes down to this, a a scarcity mindset of the soul that feels like I will never have more. I'm not capable. It's almost like a hopeless feeling of I don't have the resources. I don't have whatever it takes. And so for me to feel better about myself, I'm going to tear other people down. And I actually think no matter where your starting place is, an abundance mindset is the only way you'll actually step into abundance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting. I feel like people, uh, even um, when it comes to how we shop, mm-hmm. for, for example, are you a name brand person? Or do you go middle shelf, bottom shelf? Like what's your Depends on what, what, your, t- what, depends your on what we're talking about. So, for example, if it's food, yeah, you're probably going to go more towards – a higher name brand because you put value on those experiences and where you're at. Yeah, uh, it's I'm hard to tra- yeah, it's hard to translate name brand. It's yeah. more like quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like mm-hmm. like I'm a foodie, so I have a, a value for cuisine, and so I will I will pay more for value for quality. And for example, I have a different priority when it comes to that, so maybe I wouldn't pay as much. Yeah, when it comes to that experience, and I think what happens is is when you get around different people and that's mm-hmm. just this is just life you just get around different people who have different mindsets and they come from different backgrounds we're talking about that a lot um it, it's easy to like you said to judge other people mm-hmm. for the different values that they put on different things mm-hmm. and i and i find myself a lot either feeling like i'm projecting onto other people or i'm receiving other people's projections of mm-hmm. how i should be spending my money or what i should be doing with my money mm-hmm. and i think it, it kind of leads to this phenomenon that we all know of if i could sum it up in a phrase it's just kind of like the whole idea of keeping up with the jones yeah yeah Uh, kind of when we were you know ping-ponging back and forth on monday or or i guess yesterday about all this like i brought up i'll kind of like in a friendly way pick on him but i won't say the name but um shout out to one of our cousin podcasts and uh one of my um one of the people that listens to this podcast a lot um just to pick on him for a minute, he's kind of talking through one day his frustration or disdain for how expensive clothes can be mm-hmm. and people that spend that on clothes. 
And I kind of take issue with that for a lot of reasons because I think that every arena of life has people that find artistry in that arena. I don't resonate with, um, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I would never spend tens of thousands of dollars on season tickets to a sports game from a tickets. But there are people that, for them, that's a value. Mm-hmm. And so they will pay for that. Mm-hmm. And that's completely fine. I mean, if they, if they, uh, unless they're just, like, you know, not being generous and not providing for their family or whatever. That's between them and their family. But, like... In my mind, like, if you're being generous and in a faith context, you're putting God first and you're paying bills and you're providing for your family and you're doing all those kind of things, I, I think we just need to be aware that all of us have different values and interests and hobbies. Um, some people, there, there may be some people that are, that are snobbish and, and just want to feel better for, because of certain clothes. There's other people that literally, like, their passion and hobby is fashion, that they find just... Um, there is an artistry and, and um, a poetry and a design in fashion and in clothes and in the feel of them, the quality of them. For them, it's almost like being into paintings, like really high-quality paintings or really high-quality architecture. And there are people that will spend what some people think is a crazy amount of money on clothes, and that's not evil or wrong or crazy any more than it is the people that will spend. I almost think all of us, I think a lot of us, we consider it materialism when it's material different than what we care about. Mm, yep. But I think almost all of us have some sort of hobby, some sort of interest that we would pay money that would seem crazy to other people. And I just think we need to learn how to like celebrate the different values we all have yeah. and not critique them. We all, keep, we all keep up with the Jones in our own way. Yeah, or or well, that and and we think we also all have unique interests. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think, but I also think there are a whole lot of people that like don't even step into the hey, here's my um, here's my treat or whatever with Hmm. clothes, it's food, it's like for me, it's gaming stuff or Hmm. whatever. Like there are, I think there are people and. For whatever reason, it seems to be a little more popular in the church that like mm. they gonna, they yes. don't they don't even step into that because it's it's so money is evil and spending mm. it's bad and mm. you know the most I, money is the one, root of all yeah, evil. One of the most misquoted scriptures yeah. of all time: "Money is the root of all evil." Right. That's not yeah. what it says. The love of money is the root of all mm-hmm. evil. Um, like I had a buddy uh, a few years ago that made good money. His wife made good money, but they both, because they were just refused to spend their money, drove beaten down cars, mm-hmm. uh, wore mm-hmm. clothes that were too old, mm-hmm. um, you know, would not eat out ever. Like mm-hmm. it was a list that there was no like, hey, bro, where do you, where do you enjoy life in all of this? Yeah. yeah. You know? And so I think, like you said, there is a, there is a road in between those two ditches mm-hmm. that we got to find ourselves on. Yeah. Between... Honestly, what kind of my I felt like my buddy was doing was just like stockpiling wealth for, for something. Yeah. For something, I don't know what it was for, but it was for something. Um, and then you grow old one day and you die and you don't take it with you, um, and keep up with the Joneses to the point where you spend yourself into a hole, and then you spend the rest of your life trying to dig your way out of that hole. Yeah, I love the verse where God says He gives um, wealth and blessing without sorrow attached. And I think when we're living in generosity and when we're living in wise stewardship, 
I think actually God wants, <laughs> it's kind of that old, it's so cliche, but I mean, would you rather evil people have wealth or good people have wealth? Mm-hmm. Kind of goes back to what we were debating the whole cliche last week of does absolute power corrupt absolutely? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, my argument to borrow other people's argument is that no, it just reveals absolutely. I would rather have people with character and integrity get ridiculously wealthy. I'm just, I mean, unapologetically, I, I want people that know Jesus and have character to get filthy yeah. rich so that they can fund the kingdom. Yeah. And so that they can help in poverty and so that they can help. But if we have a weird shame-based view towards it, I, I think when you are operating according to God's principles, you can grow wealthy. And I think wealth is there to um, be invested. Um, I think wealth is there to be generous. And I think wealth can be there to be enjoyed. Yeah, I think you can enjoy, and it's interesting. I, I, so I think when we judge other people, I think, I think number one, we need to understand everybody has different values. Mm-hmm. Um, I think number two reason is it's unwise. Everybody has different scales. Mm. You know, generosity is not about generosity. And greed has nothing to do with how much you keep or spend. It has how much to do with how much you give away. Mm-hmm. I remember like a long time ago, like when. Um, Dave Ramsey went on a rant about this. He's like, he said, he said he had a friend that literally gave away ninety percent of his income. Just was this wealthy, hardworking, diligent businessman. Ninety percent of his income, and then one day, chump change for him, decided to like buy a nice car, and got so much hate for it. Mm. Oh, you're you're materialistic. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're a Christian. How could you be? And it's like, he said, those people have no idea how radically generous my friend is. But the scale's different. Yeah, And kind of going back to the whole tall poppy thing, I think uh, part of this, I'm, I'm kind of going on a rabbit trail, um, but I, I think part of it too is like for me on a personal level, maybe it's just like a posture I've tried to take on for the sake of the health of my soul. I've tried to, tried to take on a posture if I see someone score really big, um, get really successful, get really, you know, buy a really nice car. I just try to take on the posture of good for them. Go. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Bravo mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. I just never want to become that person who's so small that I feel threatened or angry at other people's success yeah. or yeah. the blessings they have. Yeah. And by the way, a lot of times we're judging what people do with an, an amount of money that we never may be entrusted to decide and see what we would actually do with it. Right. Yeah. I was just thinking about the parable of the talents. I mean, we, we often like to, because they're called talents, we're like, we talk in terms, especially in the church world, of like actual <laughs> yeah. like talent. Yeah. But no, that's talking about money. Mm-hmm. That I, I want to be a five-bag person. I want to be trusted with five bags. Yeah. And I want to know how by stewarding well, mm-hmm. which funnily enough, that's kind of my word for this year. I remember telling you that. Yeah. Is steward. And the way I've defined that is to manage with a degree of skill. Mm. Like, I want to steward so well where I know how to mm. turn five bags into another five bags. Mm. Why would you not want to do that? Mm. Even, especially when it comes to our actual finances. Yep. Why would that not be honoring to God? Why would that be yeah. a bad thing ever? Yeah, now, when that's that, good. Now, when that turns into when money becomes your idol and all that, obviously that's bad. Yeah. But I think in the church world especially, and especially it's funny among, like, pastors too, mm-hmm. that there's this idea in the church that, it's going away, but like pastors should be poor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's a little more old school, but like where that came from, how that makes any sense. Mm. Also, you know, it's weird when pastors are balling out of control too. That's weird too. <laughs> yes, it is. You know, so yeah. not to say that either, but 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting just to be vulnerable on my kind of like personal journey. Um, I feel like I have um, spent more of my life on the other on the extreme where I don't care enough about money. Mm. That may sound weird, and, and part of that, let me just be honest. Like again, I come from not a wealthy family, not a poor family. I mean, middle class parents yeah. teachers family, and I've been fortunate enough to to I've worked hard, but I've had good jobs. I've been able to pay the bills. The way I'm wired personality-wise is I tend to, if I have enough money to pay the bills and do some things I really want to do and travel, like I just, I don't think about it a lot. Like I, I my mind, I don't worry. Almost like maybe at times I should. Like I, I think about relationships. Relationships way heavy on my mind. Like my relationships at work, my relationships in my life, like that really matters to me. The, my internal world, I think about that a lot. I think about my future a lot. But <laughs> as weird as it sounds, like I feel like, when it comes to money, my thing is because, you know, people sometimes are accused of not of thinking about it too much. I've actually been convicted by God over the last few years. I need to think about it more. I need to, I, I, I need to be intentional more of, okay, how, how do I multiply the bags of gold? How do I multiply this? How can I, how can I, I mean, at times like, man, how can I even develop, um, side hustles or develop things uh i don't know if that makes sense but yeah no that's really good i think it's been fascinating to listen to both of you talk about this because i think you're hitting on the things that i sense and feel especially in you know i know this is a podcast for everyone but you know we are in a christian context Mm -hmm. and i think that those paradigms of of how Christians should feel. There's a lot of shame around money mm-hmm. in Christian culture. There's a lot of just not knowing what to do with it when it comes to money. As we look ahead, though, mm-hmm. um, towards the future, and you know, I feel like people are always hand wringing about what what the future is going to look like, and you know, will there be World War Three eventually between Russia, Poland, China, all these different things? Will the economy fall into a recession? Um, what you know, as we continue to go further apart politically and how we mm-hmm. think and operate in this country, what is that going to look like for our future? What's the line? And I'm just curious for both of you. What's the line for us as Christ followers to kind of operate in between, like, how, how do you steward well the finances that you've been given, um, but also not live in fear um, mm-hmm. towards the future? Like, what, what would you say to someone who's listening who, who maybe is like, okay, how do I – how do I how do I grow in my money knowledge? Or what, what's a good next step for someone yeah. who's like, I want to learn more about this process? You know, I feel like I, in in many ways, I feel like a hypocrite to answer because uh, th- this is one of the ways I'm constantly challenging myself. I have the head knowledge. I <laughs> I've been through Dave Ramsey class about four times. I've helped teach some of them. I've read every single one of his books multiple times. Um, but I, I've been really personally challenged. I, I think I told y'all I spent like three hours this past weekend combing through item by item my budget and just being like, okay, little too much money eating out, a little bit too much, and 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 so. But I, I so I'm just trying to be transparent. But at the same time, I think like, I mean, a great place to start with money management. I, I mean, sounds so cliche is Dave Ramsey. I think he's got. Oh, I just think. You may not agree with everything he says. Some people, love, some people love him. Some people hate him. But I just think like he keeps it simple, and I, I think he gives you the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't argue with the results. Um, I, I think when it comes to fear, I think really like 
One of the things I've tried to do when I feel like, for lack of better words, I want a financial breakthrough or I need to, um, I'm asking God to increase my revenue or I'm asking God, is I will do two things at once that may seem uh, counterintuitive. I will decrease my spending and have a tide around the budget, but also increase my giving. And a lot of times I'll try to do that at the same time. Because to me, I'm saying, God, I'm giving you, uh, um, Robert Morris had this, you know, New York Times bestselling book that so many churches all over the world, he just has a grace to teach on giving. So he'd be another great place to start. It's called The Blessed Life. Mm-hmm. And it's just the power of giving, the power of when you abide by the tithe and the offering. Um, and it just, read it. It'll change your life, The Blessed Life. About, but about six or seven years later, he came out with another book and he said, you know, I found out in all my travels and talking to Christians that what I assumed everybody knew was the other leg of financial blessing, stewardship. I assume people knew, but they weren't operating by it. And so he said, these, are the, these two books I have now on finances are the two legs to stand and be financially blessed, both generosity and stewardship. And so I think what can happen sometimes if you're, especially you know, from a faith frame, if you're thinking, man, I've got to get a hold of my budget, I think it can be really easy to then even subconsciously begin to shrink into self-preservation and to begin to shrink into scarcity. And so for me, I remember back, um, back in um, when I, my Lexington days, like 10, 15 years ago, our, our pastor, he just challenged us. He said, if you're struggling financially, as counterintuitive as it is, whether it's to this church or somewhere else, give more actually. And I remember so many people had miracle stories out of that. And so everybody has to kind of look at their situation and, and what makes sense. And so I'm not trying to put that as a weight on people. But I think if your goal is how can I be wiser financially, but also practically make sure I'm not living in fear. I mean, really practically decrease your spending, but also increase your giving. It's good. Yeah. Um, I think when it comes to just mindset of trying to stay out of the two ditches, I think of, you know, to stay out of the overspend you know, credit card, this place up. I think to remember again, if you're a Christ follower, I guess this is what I should preface this all with, is that, you know, God has entrusted me with this certain amount of money. I think -hmm. to remember that God has entrusted me with these five bags of gold and I am going to steward that well. Um, It's not actually mine. He gave me the ability to earn it. He gave me the ability Mm -hmm. for this season to steward this. And you know, the way I define steward is to manage with a degree of skill. So my job right now is to manage what he's entrusted to my care, whether it's a lot, whether it's a little, whatever. But, um, you know, those who can be trusted with a little Mm -hmm. usually are given more. Mm -hmm. Um, and so set up your life in such a way where whatever amount you have right now, you're managing it well, like you said, Mm -hmm. budget, look at the people like Dave Ramsey and Mm -hmm. whoever else. And set your life up with some structure to make sure, okay, do I have more going out than coming in? And mm-hmm. if there is, I need to fix that. Mm-hmm. But also on the flip side, to prevent yourself from going into the scarcity mindset, I think is to remember that it is my job to manage this money, but mm-hmm. also knowing that I have a perfect father that's going to save me if I blow it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. good. It's good. Because, um, you know, in uh, um, 
you know, I think it's the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, hey, he takes care of the mm-hmm. birds of the air and the flowers. Mm-hmm. And look, they don't they spin, don't they don't sow, they don't do anything. And your mm-hmm. father takes care of them. How much mm-hmm. more will he take care of you? Mm-hmm. So remember, hey, this is money that God has entrusted to me. I want to do everything I can in my power and my ability mm-hmm. to manage it well, to steward it well. But also know that at the end of the day, it's still his money that he gave me. Mm-hmm. And there's more where that came from if I blow it, blow it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm and mess up and at the end of the day i trust god and so how do you i mean just kind of drill down on that because i think part of this is kind of what you were getting at as well what how how do you navigate the line between okay i'm going to steward it well but giving myself permission here and there to enjoy life Mm -hmm. doesn't mean i'm a poor steward yeah um well, I think a couple of different ways. One, I probably don't struggle with that as most <laughs> as or as much as maybe some. Mm-hmm. I am more inclined to be a spender to mm-hmm. begin with. So I more struggle with the no, I need to reel it in mm-hmm. a little more, kind of like you were saying. Um, but I think our, this is so funny. I, every time I'm at this table now, I talk about Joe Rogan. But he <laughs> has a saying, I was like, money's only cool to have if you do cool stuff with it. Mm. <laughs> I like that. And actually. it's kind of jokey, but it's kind of true. Like, yeah. well, I mean, I want to have money. I want to do stuff with it. I yeah. want to have cool stuff. I want to, yeah. you know, I collect little Halo action figures and stuff. It yeah. brings me joy. It's fun. Yeah. And it, most of my hobbies these days are not that expensive. So, mm. you, you know what? Maybe this would be a fun little light thing to end on. Each, if, if everybody has different values, particular values, what, what, what are some of the things that you think maybe people would judge you on or whatever? But what are some of your things that you're like, I will put money here because it's a value for me? I mean, besides the, you know, the necessities of life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything video game related okay. or nerddom related. Like I, almost every time we go to the store, cause I have two mm-hmm. little boys, we have to go through the toy section mm-hmm. and it is just as much of a struggle for me to not buy a toy as it is for them to not get a toy. Mm-hmm. Like I walked, this is, this is being very vulnerable here, but there was a halo, um, shade turret set. Some two people that are listening <laughs> know what that is. And uh, almost bought it because it was on sale. Hmm. But it was like 20 bucks, didn't need it. So that's where like, okay, wisdom is I don't need to buy every toy Mm -hmm. I see. But like that's an area where like, I think most adults probably don't walk through the toy section and buy stuff for themselves. (laughs) But I do. And you you enjoy shopping too. I do. Like clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about you? Um... I can resonate with your thoughts on like all things nerdy. Mm-hmm. I've got a bunch of Legos at my desk, for example, mm. uh, adult Legos. Um, they have these like cool sets. You and you understand it too because you like those. So. Well, I have many adult Lego set at home. Yes, so and, and Legos. I've not worked up the courage to bring them to the office. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm out of you there. Uh, if anyone's watching, wants to buy me a Christmas gift, I'll take a Lego gift card. All uh, right. So there you go. Um, but I don't know. I think for me. I find that I tend to actually did not. This is going to be weird. I am not necessarily a spender per se. Yeah, you're not. I'm not a crazy. But when I find something I want, mm-hmm. I whatever I, it is that I want, mm-hmm. I want the best of that thing. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. So, like, Amen. whatever I, uh, whatever it is, whether it's an outfit or, um, a home or stuff for my house or like upgrading a, a, a TV system or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't, we've had the same TV for the last three years in my mm-hmm. house. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm not buying one every year, but 
when I think about buying a new one, I want the best <laughs> TV. Mm-hmm. That's it. So I think my problem is is like learning to be okay with not having like the most expensive mm-hmm. w- whatever it is out there that I'm buying. I think mm-hmm. whatever it is, I like to buy high quality items. Mm-hmm. Um, and so learning yeah. how to like be okay with middle yeah. of the road. Mm. Um. I don't spend as much money, honestly, on clothes as I used to. I used to spend forever ago a lot of money. I mean, it's, it's again, it's all relative, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's funny, though. I was in, I forget, it's probably one of the Dave Ramsey classes. And they're like, you know, some people, raise your hand, some people, you know, spend a, a lot of money on food. And like, some people spend a lot of money on clothes. They went through a few other things. <laughs> Got done. I was like, what if your problem is like all the above? <laughs> like, I spent too much money on all of that. But I think, oh, God. Well, I was going to say, actually, we're going to ready to close up this podcast, yeah. but I wanted to share one, not hot take, but like kind of thing on that note, yeah. I, you're not, I don't think that's uncommon. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that a lot of people, if we're being really honest with ourselves and we're to really pull back the layer of mm-hmm. vulnerability here, what, I asked you, you all the question, when was the last time, if you go back through your bank statements, you actually made more money in a month than what you spent? <laughs> and all of us were kind of like, uh, it's about 50-50 or less than that per month, not to like reveal all of our personal baggage out here on this thing. I already but, did. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Too late. Um, all that to say is like, I think it's very normal mm-hmm. that we struggle with a lot of these things. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. we all feel like we should be perfect at it and we got it all figured out. And mm-hmm. I just think this is some of the normalization and not judgment that you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. But let's just like normalize. Like it's okay. Mm-hmm. We like... Mm-hmm. We all struggle at times with our spending yeah. and going out and getting, you know, eating out four times on a weekend or eat mm-hmm. like, I don't know that there's a family out there that I know that doesn't struggle with that. Mm-hmm. And if we can all just normalize it and say it's okay, like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's okay that like we're not figuring out that out, but like we all struggle with that. I just mm-hmm. think our defenses would get lowered about money and we mm-hmm. actually find ways to encourage one another to help. Sorry, that was a that. rant. Yeah. No, the same boat. It's good. Um, just to add one that may be a little bit unique or different, I think one of my high values that I tend to pay for is I really value um, experiences. Mm, yeah. That's a high value for me. So whether that's in the form of travel or live music or some sort of unique thing, like, uh, like to me, like, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I equate a lot of like the quality of life with the memorable experiences I can accumulate and collect along the way. Um, and so I really will pay money um, for a unique experience with people. Cool. Yeah. Love it. Well, I think on that note, I've had a lot of fun conversations over yeah. the last couple of weeks with you three. It's been really fun. Oh, you think? Um, let us know. Should, you think? Um, should we eventually do a round four with Tim at the table and see what yes. happens? Would, It'd be funny to see his hot takes. What do you think <laughs> they would be? <laughs> you know, I I don't know. I I don't know. I want to hear him. Yeah, I want to hear him. I do. All right, him. he's gonna be back soon. If you've missed him, you'll see him again really soon. Uh, but it's been fun with you guys, and uh, appreciate you both. And uh, share this around if it's encouraged. Well, I don't. I don't really know if there's a 
But maybe it's encouraged you. I don't know. I don't know. It's been fun. Hopefully it's been entertaining. Yeah, at least. it's been entertaining. Yep. It's been fun. Hopefully you learned something. Yeah. If you learned something, maybe share it. Yeah, absolutely. On All Spotify, right. not Apple. <sighs> but sure. listen, leave a review on Spotify. Or no, on Apple. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, my gosh. All right. Until next time, enough brainwashing. We will see you <laughs> next week. <laughs>